you're listening to Let's Talk Fitness, the bilingual English-French podcast by Stillness Fitness. I'm Sebastian, your host for this episode. Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to Let's Talk Fitness. Today, my guest is Mr. Andy Nicoletos, who's um, an osteopath and also qualified sports medicine therapist and strength and conditioning coach. So, Andy, can you introduce yourself to our listeners, please? Um, okay, so my name is uh, Andrew Nicoletos, or less formally Andy, which is what uh, most people call me, and I'm an osteopath. I work at Third Space Medical in um, the city, and that's where, of, of course, I know your good self, Seb, and I also work a uh, practice in Oxford. Okay. My, yeah, yeah. Uh, my, my day-to-day grind in, involves um, seeing individuals with a, a sort of a host of musculoskeletal aches and pains. Um, I, I do have a particular interest in sort of persistent pain, shoulder injuries and, and knee injuries. Um, but alongside that, I sort of meddle with um, exercise as a therapeutic tool and strength and conditioning um, from, a, from a health perspective, which I, which I hope to sort of explore um, sort of throughout the talk. Okay, so um, what have you done in the past, in your yeah, previous life, that led you to this path that you're on right now? <laughs> Gosh, um, <laughs> I feel like this podcast will be about five hours long if, if, I, um, if I answer that. And, and I'll, I'll tell you why, because um, my, my, my journey started very, very innocently. Um, I, I sort of grew up with health and fitness as n- not really understanding the depths of that or, or it meaning to, um, to sort of go into a specific field. But I, I grew up with sport as part of my family culture. Okay. So when I, when I was at school and, and, it, and there were sort of ideas of going to university, I, I didn't really think beyond doing a degree involving the sport and exercise sciences. You know, I I wanted to learn more about physiology as it applied to athletic or athleticism, biomechanics and and psychology. Um, And I I did have hopes that I would um, be involved in athletic conditioning and physical preparation for, you know, certain sports and support teams. And at the time when I was sort of at university, the Australian Institute of Sport was making headway in sort of athlete development. And, and I sort of had, um, I sort of, yeah, that, that, that's what I wanted to do. You know, I, I had high hopes that I could take an athlete and make them um, an extra um, athletic individual. You know, okay. it, 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 was sort of, it was sort of boyhood dream sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but then as I got further into my degree, I actually discovered that the uh, the concept of exercise as a health tool, mm-hmm. and um, back then the ACSM, the American College of Sports Medicine, yeah. they had quite a lot of data, emerging data about how exercise could be used to help people with cardiovascular and cerebrovascular um, conditions. Mm-hmm. And I was fortunate enough to get involved with um, with some projects that that explored that and actually just a a mini sort of research team we had quite a lot of promising results looking at individuals who had gone into hospital or or had been sort of discharged from hospital having had quite significant in certain cases cardiovascular and cerebrovascular events Mm -hmm. and through exercise we were able to completely transform not not just their physical identity but actually that their their health outcomes you know and so uh, an opportunity presented itself for me to attend medical school but I I I I didn't want to do that because actually I I felt like I had stared into Pandora's box and seen actually the therapeutic merits of exercise and with that positive lifestyle changes Mm -hmm. 
And and I, I felt actually, ironically, it would be a backward step studying medicine and then giving people um, sort of drugs, for example, yeah. for conditions where I thought actually, if you if you just do something as simple as walk on a treadmill, you, you can actually you can actually do more for yourself. Um, so I, I studied osteopathy because I felt like it gave me more of an opportunity to study health from a, a holistic person-centered perspective rather than a focus on disease management, which is where I felt the medical model um, took people. And But osteopathy as an isolated entity became very sort of passive and focused on, on, on hands-on work. And it, it wasn't to dismiss the the efficacy of that but I felt like it, it sort of disregarded some of the skills that I'd learned in my undergraduate degree which did include sort of applied aspects of coaching as well as as well as sort of the physical aspects of of sort of strength conditioning practice which I'd taken time to sort of learn you know and I, I thought there was a lot of value not just from a performance perspective but actually from a health perspective so after osteopathy I studied sports medicine and I felt like that sort of brought my skills together as well as gave me more of an opportunity to to sort of explore the merits of exercise but this time it wasn't just limited to cardiovascular cerebrovascular events but you know there was opportunities to explore how exercise could be used to help people with um, autoimmune conditions like Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, you know, yeah. conditions that we don't traditionally associate with, with responding to, to exercise. So that, that, was, that, that for me was just a, a, a huge opportunity to sort of amalgamate various different ideas. And so in practice... I thought, how can I bring these all together? You know, people come to me with aches and pains, yeah. but no one comes to me with aches and pains with with a clean sheet in terms of their medical history. I might see someone who has back pain, and actually, when you explore their medical um, history, they say, well, yeah, you know, I, I suffer from high blood pressure, or I have um, impaired glucose tolerance, for example. And I thought to myself, oh, are we doing these individuals a disservice by saying, look, I, I can get rid of your pain, but it's, it's okay to walk out of the door, me as your healthcare provider, knowing that actually I've got the skills and understanding to help manage your diabetes. So um, my what's led me to here is lots of different disciplines mm -hmm. that in in my uh, sort of in my sort of thought process actually all link together and for me are categorized under sort of physical and mental health you know yeah. I, I i've never actually really looked at myself as an osteopath because i feel like i've lost that identity somewhat in its traditional form i feel like and this i guess is what everyone does in their own little way but i i've, I've really wanted to make my identity clear and and my identity as a as a healthcare practitioner who uses sort of hands-on work and exercise based prescription with lifestyle um sort of components to help manage non-specific aches and pains and specific aches and pains but complications and associated comorbidities with those problems if that makes sense okay okay yeah it makes perfect sense um and i like the fact that you you said that you're not really um seeing yourself as an osteopath anymore um, because of the multiple hats that you're wearing, but also the different angles that you're taking um, care of people. And I really like that. I, I mean, one thing that I would say on that, and, and the, the reason I think that, and, and I'll, I'll explain a bit more, is for me, we have a responsibility as a healthcare practitioner. And, and by the way, as you'll come to realize later, mm -hmm. I include fitness professionals within that. Okay. I, I, I think that we shouldn't, there's, there's too many different players at the table and it can make people confused. Mm -hmm. But for now, if I say healthcare, physios, osteopaths, chiropractors, and medics, for example, mm -hmm. for example, I think we are doing, we have a duty to actually make people more active. Yeah. So 
I would not be a healthcare practitioner if I didn't, knowing what exercise can achieve or physical activity can achieve, wasn't to promote that to my patients. Okay. Yeah, make, makes perfect sense. And unfortunately, not enough people think that way. But yeah. It's yeah. changing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so now as a, as a practitioner, what would you say is one of your best memories? As a practitioner? Yeah. Uh, wow. Gosh. Um, I mean, <laughs> some of my best memories are the relief that, 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 um, the relief of graduating. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I spent 11 years in academia. You know, that was a, a long time. So for that, just to, to wake up and feel that I didn't need to study mm -hmm. um, was, I, I guess, quite refreshing. Although I, I, I do pride myself on always sort of reverting to my books. But I don't really have um, a specific memory that, that, that comes to mind Um, I think one of the best memories that I, that I had was um, throughout my studies, I was fortunate enough to be exposed to, to the late Louis Gifford, who was, um, was a physiotherapist and was instrumental in sort of bringing biopsychosocialism to sort of the forefront of, of physio practice. And, and he sort of really changed the way that I, I view the, the person in front of me to better encompass different ideas and and I, I think for me that was quite a revelation because up until that point I don't feel like I had my own identity I felt like I was learning lots of different skills but lacked the sort of the ability to bring these ideas together and and here was someone who had gone through this journey on his own and and seemingly brought it together in in really really quite a uh, form so for, for me the inspiration that I took from him remains probably one of my outstanding memories as a student okay yeah well that's one <laughs> um, so yeah. in terms of um, your fitness journey what would you say yes um, has been one of the best advice that you've had Um, so, um, one of the things that I learned through Louis was, was like always scrutinize everything that you think and everything that you believe. Keep, keep, keep refining it. Keep, keep sort of, um, the idea in the back of your head that everything that you see and read and believe yeah. might not be true. And that someone out there might be able to add weight or change the way that you think about what you think. That that would be my my sort of that would be my advice to anyone coming into the industry because I think there's so much information out there now that I think we've lost our ability to actually to scrutinize it in a way that we should do. And and I think that's you know I'll come on to it later. I think that personal trainers should be taught how to do that how to appraise skills but in a in a very academic way rather mm -hmm. than just saying oh, i don't agree with you you know so um that that would be sort of the the best advice that i've i've sort of been given in in sort of the the, the fitness industry because unfortunately there, there there's a there are yeah. a lot of outdated ideas out there you know that that still prevail and still influence The, the the physical well-being of 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 you know patients and absolutely clients. um so now if going back to andy so what's yes. one advice that you would like to give to your 15 years old self considering the knowledge yeah. and all the experiences that you have at the moment Um, I would say don't, don't rush, don't panic and make, dare I say, integrate life into your studies a bit more. 
I, I, I was <laughs> okay. a, a bookworm, you know, at university. Um, after my first year, which, you know, the, the focus tends to be on on unruly social behaviour, um, my, my focus was was my, my studies. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was very... <laughs> You know, I was very disciplined with my my work, but disciplined to an extent where maybe I, I didn't enjoy it as much as I I should have because you know I I, I opted not to go and meet my friends okay. and watch the football. You know, I I, I felt like there was a, an, an urgent and pressing need to just try and know everything. But actually, clinical practice quickly hum, humbles you, and you're like, well, actually. I will never know everything, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm always sort of discovering. So there's, there's just no rush, essentially. Um, as um, now, as a practitioner, so you've seen, you've done quite a lot. Um, is there anything that you're looking back at and you're telling yourself, "I wish I haven't done that." Um, no, I, I feel like that. Um, I feel like I, I feel like I've I've done academically probably everything that I have wanted to do, if left to my own device, and I didn't have to consider money and family and and time. I would probably, as a side, just study for the rest of my life because I, okay. I enjoy reading books. And I enjoy learning and discovering. I, I feel like if you caught up with me aged 80, I'd probably have 15 degrees if, if left to my own device. Um, I, I do want to start my own research this year. And, and that is something that I've been pulling together. And, and I've got everything in place for that. So that, that is something that I've always wanted to explore at, yeah. at, at doctorate level. So, you know, that that's certainly in the pipeline. But I don't think I would have changed my journey from um, okay. then till now. Mm-hmm. I just wish maybe I had a bit of guidance along the way to sort of put these sort of okay. ideas together. I, I, I feel like I probably, probably didn't do it in the most efficient way. It was a bit of discovering some of the people that I've now met in the the health and fitness industry who are coming through and saying, Andy, how did you do it? How did you do it? I, I've actually been in a position to say, you know, scrap that chapter, scrap that chapter and okay. just make okay. it more streamlined. So um, do you have any any kind of project or ambition to transmit your knowledge to newcomers, to um, new graduated and uh, people like that? Um, I've, I've been a guest lecturer, um, uh, on a number of occasions at, at various different universities, physio and, and osteopaths mainly. Um, I've mentored, um, in the States on, on the, the gift, um, fellowship, the graduate program. And, um, recently I did set up my own educational company and, and, and unfortunately for sort of um personal reasons that that had to sort of end early um but or 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 reasons unforeseen and unfortunate but um you know prior to covid um i i was in 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 um talks with the guys at third space about how we can better um sort of translate medical inverted commas concepts into sort of fitness practice and and vice versa i i feel like there's a real opportunity at third space um not just with the open-minded nature of the trainers but also with the climate that the things are changing and there is an extended scope where where lines within fitness and and medicine are are blurred and i I feel like there's a real opportunity to create a very very sophisticated uh, and united model of health and fitness practice so i i hope that it will be there will be an opportunity where i can get to influence trainers both present and and future within the third space perfect that would be great okay um so 
now going back oh, going to our main subject um so follow, following uh, mm-hmm. previous episode that I've done with uh, Henry Hall um let's talk about the scope of yeah. practice of uh, osteopath strength and coding strength and conditioning coaches uh, personal trainers real uh, mm-hmm. into if we can mm-hmm. say how to manage uh, clients and injured clients Mm, mm, mm. um wow i mean i i feel like there needs to be a radical shift in how we view um disease and injury and the role of exercise i thought for years um i i tried to integrate the two and so when I used to go to a a practice and there'd be a gym nearby, which a lot of practices are associated with a gym. I I almost got the impression that it was the fitness team over the here and the medical team over here. And there was sometimes this real disconnect, like the the fitness professionals would be like, well, no, we're not referring to you because you're going to steal inverted commas that, that are our patient. And then there was the therapy team who were very protective of of their what they I guess considered their rehabilitation rights and and I almost felt like there was there there needed to be a better understanding of how the two professional groups interact and and actually overlap I don't see them as separate things I see them as existing on a continuum and so in my professional ideal who should be in the gym or who should be active every single patient. And that doesn't matter if they've had wrist surgery or whether they've had an anterior cruciate ligament reconstruction. Everyone should be active because nothing really from a therapeutic perspective merits or trumps the the, the merits of of physical activity. So I, I feel like we need to better be able to communicate together. Now, I was in a quite unique position in the fact that I had started my career in the strength conditioning exercise sort of physiology world and then had come into the medical world and then put them together. But I feel like the training traditionally of of physios and osteopaths, although it's starting to better encompass exercise, it, it still, for me, doesn't make the most of strength and conditioning principles, both past, present and emerging. Likewise, personal training, I feel like if we're going to um, create a framework whereby actually there's an integrated system, then we need to change the way that actually we train personal trainers. You know, I I feel like personal trainers need to understand um, the science of pain and injury. They need to understand coaching methodology they need to understand cognitive behavioral skills motivational interviewing and 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 so forth i I feel like in the past and i'm being a bit simplistic here but i feel like in the past there's been this um there's this idea of learn how to do a bench press and learn how to to do some exercises and voila you're you're able to to sort of combat the world of performance through exercise and 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 I, I think that's quite dangerous okay. in, in um, some regards. I agree with that, with the fact that we, um, as personal trainers, we need to um, broaden our uh, our vision and not only see the client as someone who is uh, exercising, but someone who with different mm. uh, abilities, with someone with different pains, different uh, emotions, and we need to take all of that in account when mm. actually dealing with the person. So I agree with that. Mm. 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 Um, mm. So now regarding your um, your practice at Sales Space, what's, um, mm-hmm. what would you say is the most important to you when your, when the client comes into your room? Um, four things. What, what, what do I think is wrong mm-hmm. with them? How long I think it would take to get better? 
um, how I can help them and how okay. they can help themselves. Um, so with all of that, do you f- would you say that yeah. usually they are quite helpful and they are uh, opening themselves quite easily or you need to do some work? Yeah, the, yeah. Um, do you mean in terms of what I'm telling them? Yeah, um, this is interesting. I was having this talk yesterday. I, I've noticed that quite a lot of the individuals that we see at Bird Space, and this is probably because of the climate, that it's a clinic within a gym and people tend to, who go to the gym or members of a gym, are, are quite motivated to mm-hmm. exercise, yeah. at, at least in theory, you know? Um, so a lot of people who come to the clinic at Bird Space are already active and or want to be more active or have had a period where they haven't been active and want to resume their activity. So as soon as you talk about activity, you get, you immediately Mm -hmm. get them on your side in in that sense, you know? Um, But it's a really interesting point because I feel like there's a whole group of individuals out there who don't come to the gym mm-hmm. for whatever reason, who can benefit from the merits of physical activity. And, and we actually, as a combined body, health and fitness practice, need to better be able to tap into those group of individuals because that's where exercise and behavior change is incredibly complicated. And, and we know this from the literature, just simply telling someone, if you don't exercise, then you're going to end up with heart disease or diabetes. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't work. You know, there, there have been studies where they've paid people to exercise and initially they start exercising, but, but, but they lose motivation. So, and this is why I, I, I feel like one of the best things that I did as a clinician was was actually just exposing myself to different patient groups, some of whom hated the idea of exercise, but had had multiple comorbidities that were massively impacting their that my ability to help them from a from a traditional clinical perspective. So um, I feel like all personal trainers or part of personal training um, um, sort of development should should expose. Uh, should expose your your skills in in perhaps care homes for example you know let let's see how good you are at motivating this person who has had two hip replacements and is no longer wants to exercise because they've been told for the last 20 years that, that they have had two hip replacements because of all the sport that they played you know that's a that's a massive uh, sort of cognitive behavioural obstacle that I, I don't think is necessarily covered in in the traditional training, okay, but perhaps yeah, I should be. agree. Um, I feel like communication is really important, but over communication, the words that you choose to explain something to your clients are really important. Massively, massively, massively. Because you could, that's a, that's a really, really important point because I, I, and it goes back to my, my journey because I felt like I had acquired all this information from lots of different sources and, 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 had, and had started to put it together, but hadn't actually practiced until I was out there sort of in the big wide world, conveying it in a way that the yep. person in front of me understood. And it ended up just being sort of, it, it, my my explanations were, were too long and too 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 unclear un, un for individuals, you know. So so it's not just about acquiring the information; yeah. it's about refining the information and then adapting the information yeah. to the different individuals. Hundred percent. Um, so now we've uh, same thing with your experience, and so having worked in different places, yeah. um, have you ever come across? a trainer who was doing something out of his scope of practice? And if so, how did you 
explain to him that uh, what he was doing, he or she was doing, wasn't um, following his scope of practice. Um, gosh, I, I've got I've got to be careful how I word this, um, but I I I, um, I believe that every day, yep. every day, um, for every pra- for every personal trainer, they are to some extent unknowingly or unintentionally stepping outside their scope of practice because as soon and Mm -hmm. and and i'll tell you why because as soon as someone comes in and says oh i've got a bit of an ache Mm -hmm. and pain in my back yeah Yeah. let's say i'm casually training with someone and i say oh do you know what oh sorry my, my back hurts my back hurts a bit when i've been bending forwards now straight away in reality, if if we're if we're if we're being sort of Nick Pigty, that that requires an yep. understanding of that pain, and 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 it might be that they've just mm-hmm. literally just tweaked their back, you know. It might be something completely harmless, but but and and I'm I'm being extreme here. What what's to say that that isn't a, a whopping mm-hmm. big tumor on their spine? You know, and and that actually, that personal trainer hasn't spotted that. And and I, I tell you why I'm so insistent on changing the way that we educate fitness professionals because the irony is, you guys are blessed in that you have so much exposure yeah. to clients. You know, if if we look at the healthcare model where and this isn't something that I necessarily believe in, that GPs and medics are at the top of of that pyramid, right? The time that they have with a patient is less than 10 minutes, you know? And and if we we talk about the, the therapies, we have the luxury of maybe having half an hour or an hour as an initial consultation to really gain insight to their, their sort of global health. But we might see them once a week for half an hour or once a month yeah. for half an hour, for example. And, but, but it's not uncommon for people to have training sessions like three mm-hmm. times a week, for example, for an hour. And, and that's, that's a lot of exposure, not to, just to them as a character, but to them yeah. from a health perspective. You know, and, and it, I, I've had a lot of people in the past, and, and this is a positive thing, who have built a massive rapport with their trainer and whereby the trainer knows more than I do about and more than their GP knows about their health perspective. So you and trainers generally might be the first person to pick up something in their case history just casually that might actually be very pertinent from a health perspective. But with that, it it then it then encourages fitness professionals to understand the identification of, of even yeah, subtle red perfectly. flags and so forth. Does that make sense? Um, would you say that um, when so when a client comes and says that effectively he has a back pain and doesn't know why or um, how yeah. in your opinion a trainer deal with that? Um, I mean, most, most, um, most scenarios that I'm aware of, uh, a trainer takes a case history from, or, mm-hmm. or, or more of an interview and, and does explore aspects of their, of their, their yeah. case history, their, their medical history. Um, I, I feel like there does need to be a bit of a, of a of a process whereby they can identify aches and and pains and perhaps symptoms that warrant investigation um, or yeah. further exploration. You know, so I, I think that process can actually be quite simple, and um, I, I do think that we have something quite uh, robust and complementary at, uh, at Third Space, whereby 
you know, we do have the injury assessments and I know that, um, you know, I'm speaking for myself here, but I've always made it clear that if you, if anyone wants to come and talk to me, that, that they can, and that doesn't have to be something formal. That can just be something that they've, they've noticed yeah. or they've been told, you know, and, and I, I, I'm not, I, I, I might not have the answer. I might need to speak to one of my colleagues or, or mm-hmm. a sports doctor, for example, you know, but I, I feel like the more that we sort of come together, um, the better actually we can understand and implement yeah. someone's okay. fitness journey. That, that, that for me is what it's about. It's, it's never been about, oh, oh, they've got back pain, so now they're my client. I, I think that is, that, that's a bad interpretation of, of effective communication between different professionals. It's about actually facilitating someone's fitness journey. And, and making it unique, yeah. safe, and I effective. I agree with that. Um, if if you were to um, summarize in an ideal world um, the the professional that you would like to see to do deal with a plush over patient, um, so what would it be? And um, to which extent you would like them to intervene with the client? So, so sorry, I, I missed the first bit. My my ideal personal trainer that would interact. No, so with your ideal practitioner. Right? So not only personal trainers, but any practitioners that would come together yeah. to uh, deal with a patient. So, what would it be for you? Um. Okay, so I, I've, I've received quite a lot of criticism about this in the past, but I, I, be, I believe it to be, to be true and important. And that is, for me, I would scrap the, the, the demarcation that exists between the different physical therapy groups. For, for example, I, I think that the fact that there are physios, chiropractors, osteopaths, sports therapists, and so forth, in reality, all treating the same thing under different names is needlessly confusing. Um, so straight away, I would have, I would have help. I would just categorize yeah. them as health professionals. You know, um, the skills that we learn are not exclusive to any professional body or group. And then I would uh, same with exercise professionals. There's so many different um, names: coaches, performance coaches, exercise physiologists, fitness trainers gym instructors, strength and conditioning coach, I would just yeah. call it fitness professionals. And I feel like fit, fitness, fitness, profession, um, fitness professionals, uh, I think if, you, if we're going to go down a, a degree route, would, would learn about rehabilitation, injury prevention and so forth, but specialise within strength and conditioning practice. And, and health professionals should learn about the merits of exercise, but they, they specialise in clinical practice so that they have an understanding of their polarised jobs, but better understand the, the, the mix of skills and, and, and the complementary skills that, that they have. So for me, I, I think it needs a, a revamp um, it needs simplification and a revamp at an academic okay. and practical level. Um, so if you were to, I don't know, let, let's imagine that your money is not a problem. Um, you have an idea yeah. of your, of a structure that you would like to build and to develop. So what would it be? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the, wh- one of the ideas that I want to develop at an academic and practical and applied level is is exercise and, and, and how it is able to improve the perception of individuals, uh, the, 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 the uh, individual's perception of pain. So I, I feel that exercise has a massive scope in pain management and we don't necessarily understand how and why and we become very very peripheral in in our ideals i.e oh it's tightening a muscle or it's switching off a muscle or facilitating or stabilizing i don't really buy into any of these ideas and the literature doesn't support it I, i feel like exercise works for people with pain because it gives them a more 
robust template from which they can sort of reflect and perceive. It, it, it's, a, it's about self-efficacy, agency, identity, and, and, and so forth. And I, I'd like mm-hmm. to be able to explore that um, with sort of a, a robust framework that ultimately is understood by um, the, the medical community and uh, sort of, you know, our, 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 our patients, you know, who are, in the opinion here, are slightly misled about about exercise as a, as a yeah. health tool for pain okay. management. So um, looking at um, what you just said and um, your background and things that you mentioned in uh, the, f- the first five, ten minutes, would you, um, mm-hmm. what's one, or oh, yeah, which courses would you advise a trainer to go on to if he wants to, develop and he wants to understand a bit more about pain about uh training about uh all the things that you mentioned earlier gosh um pain there are lots of pain gurus out there um i i (laughs) Uh, I feel like they all have yeah. their sort of treatment biases. I, I personally would encourage any trainer to read the work of Louis Gifford. Incredibly, incredibly detailed, but incredibly simplified. Um, Louis Gifford actually passed away in 2014. His books, Trop- uh, Topical Issues in Pain, you can buy it for a couple of pounds on Amazon. Um, and, and I think they're the most clinically relevant books that I've learned that I've read today. Um, I would also encourage people to read about clinical reasoning. So you can get clinical reasoning for sort of in musculoskeletal practice. I think there's a book um, which, which I think is really useful. I think in terms of um, the practical aspects, there are a whole host of courses out there. Um, I, I, You know, there's, there's the UKSCA stuff, um, which I, I think is very good. I, I'm I'm sometimes considered slightly unpopular for saying this, and I'll, I'll come on to why I think it was important. But I I believe the CrossFit courses are are, are very good, and and I think important for fitness professionals to sort of understand and 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 develop their ideas. Um, so they're probably some of the best courses that that I I've done. But I haven't take I I've just taken sort of nuggets from various courses rather than this course defines me. You know, I did my um, training with the Gray Institute in, in America. And I, I think they've got some really interesting ideas about um, sort of exercise from a, a functional perspective. But there, there are also things yeah. I massively disagree with. And, and, and one of them is this idea of functional exercise. I mean, it, it's become an almost ridiculous term. And, 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 and also, I, I think some of their ideas are, are outdated in, this, in the sense that they've, they've, they've become very um, structural and or they certainly promote structuralism and, and we need to be weary of, yeah. of those sorts okay. of ideas um so why in your opinion crossfit qualification are important it's not it's not so much okay. the qualification it's the the methodology I, i've i've had i've had so many debates with people in in the past um about and and when they've seen that i've I've done my CrossFit qualifications and various weightlifting qualifications through CrossFit and gymnastics and so forth. They've been a bit critical. And, um, but for me, when you go, when you go into a gym like third space and you see that the free weight section is packed. Okay. That's in my opinion, because of the culture that has been created by the community that is CrossFit. Mm -hmm. 100%. CrossFit made lifting weights fashionable almost. Um, And it it, it highlighted the importance of lifting weights. It it all of a sudden said, actually, I think it's important for everyone to be able to practice Olympic lifts. They are the the epitome of physical mastery and and strength and, and with speed. And and there's a lot of truth in that. And and actually, CrossFit, forget the image of CrossFit. If you look at the idea of promoting a CrossFit 
athlete, i.e. one who is exposed to um, multiple um, sort of physical skills and attributes, I would challenge anyone to find something more revelationary in the, in the health yeah. industry in the last 30 years. I mean, for me, that is gold dust in, in terms of, of health. Because what, what they actually quite brutally revealed is that fitness doesn't have a measure. I, I grew up with VO2 max yeah. as, as a measure of fitness. And then people were like, well, no, it's not about VO2 max. It's about your um, lactate threshold and your, your running economy and, and, and so forth. And, and it's like, hang on a minute. The CrossFit brutally exposed that actually you can become very polarized with your concept of fitness and actually miss the fact that there are are merits of 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 different physical attributes that are complementary or or maybe in conflict to what you're learning. Now, if someone's a ten thousand meter Olympic runner, it doesn't make sense for them to yep. to Olympic lift all day, for example. But I'm talking about society. I'm talking about society. And if we're being honest, people will come in and say, I'm really fit. Mm -hmm. I go for a run 10 times a week, but, but actually couldn't squat their own body weight or, or couldn't, or, or couldn't, for me, that's not, that's not fitness. And I, I feel like CrossFit really exposed that. So for me, when I, when I use a CrossFit model in, in rehabilitation and injury prevention all the time, I make sure that people are CrossFit and that doesn't mean doing CrossFit, just expose the different skills if, if we took away the image of crossfit that it has to take place in a in a dark dingy cold gym and just looked at the the physical skills that they are promoting i think it's it's yeah. hard to deny their value yeah um yeah i agree and i i was a bit um not say i wasn't against crossfit but I was a, I was skeptical about it, uh, in mm. up until maybe mm, yeah. the last four years, and um, the reason why mm -hmm. was because <clears throat> I've seen a lot of people, a lot of clients, they tried CrossFit in their own words, but they went all out straight away. So the load management mm -hmm. wasn't mm -hmm. um, monitored. And obviously, uh, they started to break down and they started to uh, uh, not to understand what was going on within their body. And on the flip side, when I was yeah. trying to yeah. explain them um, why things like that were happening, they were all telling me, yeah, but you know, it's because of CrossFit. It's because I'm doing this, because I'm doing that. Now, with what you're saying and with um, yeah. the, the fact that I've talked to CrossFit coaches and to uh, um, box uh, owners, I also realize that uh, if mm. the clients back in the day were feeling the way they were feeling was mostly because they weren't um, aware of certain, certain things, that we are there to help them. And also, I feel mm. like uh, when I think about it right now, I feel like uh, in my position, I could have dealt with it better into explaining them why they needed mm -hmm. to do certain things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my perhaps... You know, I, I think you've raised an important point. My my one criticism would be, and this isn't necessarily CrossFit's fault, but you can do a weekend course yeah. and then become a CrossFit instructor <clears throat> with, with with no insight to programming and so forth. You you could argue, as I've spoken about the fitness industry, that to be an effective CrossFit instructor, you need an understanding of medicine and 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 physiotherapy practice and, and, and so forth, you know, would that make a better coach? Um, if, if you could understand that. Um, and, and I, I think the, the reality is probably yes. So I, I don't necessarily think the problem there is, is CrossFit. I think it's about the application and the programming in certain individuals, but make no mistake. Some of the best strength and conditioning coaches that I've met mm -hmm. 
our CrossFit instructors, um, um, some amazing instructors, um, amazing, mind blowing. Um, so, um, and and actually, if you look now about the direction that has been taken on board with yep. CrossFit, it's all to do with health, and 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 they are merging concepts with some. Um, some incredible minds within within um, within medicine. You know, people like Professor Timothy Noakes, who is is someone I I, I really look up to, sort of clinically and academically. You know, the, the the CrossFit community to be out reaching out to individuals like him and, and incorporating some of his ideas on, on on nutrition and health. I I, I think is incredibly admirable. And for me, the most modern or the modern hospital not so much hospital but clinic would look like a crossfit box where people could explore their physical potential you know and if you feel if you filled that box with a room full of diabetic individuals who were motivated to reverse their diabetes their type 2 diabetes i think it would have much more to offer than anything that the pharmaceutical industry could ever offer (laughs) That's yeah. Th- th- that's the that's the reality. You know. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Um, regarding now, um, so you mentioned all of these um, this qualification that you have and all of this um, uh, all of your background. What's um, one yeah. one type of injury that you really enjoy dealing with? Yeah. Um, I would say anything shoulder or knee related. I have a bit of a, uh, a fond affection for, if I'm honest with you. Um, so my, my obsession with knees stemmed from my undergraduate degree where I had to do a case study of an anterior cruciate ligament, um, or actually a combined anterior cruciate ligament and okay. medial collateral ligament injury. <laughs> so clinically, during my time studying as an osteopath, I, I spent um, some time working with the King's College musculoskeletal research group and actually published uh, a study in the knee journal about using exercise in, in patients with anterior cruciate ligament deficient knees. Um, so before I'd even qualified as a, as a healthcare practitioner, I'd had the pleasure of seeing uh, a number of anterior cruciate ligament injuries from injury through to reconstruction, which, you know, was very insightful training. Um, The, the problem with knees is there's, it's quite a popular area within, within physical rehabilitation. I've never been a a therapist who wants to compete for, for, for an injury, you know, I, I, I always make it quite clear. Well, you, you can go and see whoever you want, you know. I, I don't think we should fight for the rights of, of, of patients, you know. Um, but um, I, I also like shoulder injuries. I, I've had a shoulder injury myself, and um, I didn't realise I had a fond affection for shoulders. I don't think I did, but, you know, through my own experience, I, I found myself in a position where I was able to offer real life um yep. practical advice you know because it, it, it was interesting being a patient because i you know it was an opportunity to see what the what what therapy mm-hmm. looked like from the other side of the curtain you know and so when i was told oh try this try this i i felt like it it didn't work you know for me so when patients asked me the same things i was like well look listen I, I have actually experienced this in a similar vein and and i found for me it that wasn't um much use and i think they appreciate that first um first-hand experience at the same time i don't necessarily recommend that in order to be an effective therapist that you need to go and experience every single injury that your your patient yeah. um experiences but you know i i definitely think empathy um it is is very useful so yeah shoulder and knee in in short terms i do like persistent pain especially of the spine that tends to be where i think most pains persist 
Um, but yeah, shoulder and knees, okay. I do have a particular fond affection for. Um, <clears throat> now, so um, looking at a situation that the world is in where um, gyms are closed, um, health clubs are closed. Yeah. How do you keep yeah. healthy? How do you keep strong? Do you have a routine that you follow? Do you, how do you do it? Yeah. And me personally, uh, I'm very fortunate in the fact that I have, I live in the middle of fields of land. Um, so I, I can go for a walk. Um, you know, I've got a little, little boy. He's only, uh, gosh, he's 15 weeks old. So I'm always, I'm always out walking him. Um, and, and so forth, which, which isn't necessarily fitness practice, but I think that's good yep. for my mental well-being, you know. Um, and then I've got, I've got kettlebells uh, at home, and it, it's great that I can just chuck them around um, and they just <laughs> <Yeah>. land <laughs> on the grass, you know. But, it, you know, it, it's, nice to be able, it's nice to be able to express that freedom with, with weights, to be able to drop them and not worry about the... The, yeah. you know ruining the the furniture so forth so the the fabric of the land has become my fitness furniture um skipping ropes just basics um and so from a physical perspective that that's what i've been doing just programming with myself from, with um using kettlebells in large which is probably my preferred method of of, okay. of strength training if i'm honest with you Yes. Along with along Perfect. with Olympic, history. and so what would be one of your advice for someone uh, at home with um, no equipment whatsoever, and who's willing to keep fit or to increase fitness? Um, well, I, I I don't feel I I mean we exist and and one of the things that has been just amazing to see is is how many people are offering sort of online consultations and video consultations and um and 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 so forth and so we do exist in the culture whereby there's a lot of information out there um mm -hmm. including body weight circuits um so Um, how would I in, encourage in the, in the same way I would, I would find a way of working their heart and lungs, you know, that could be running, that could be cycling, that could be running up and down their stairs. Yeah. That could be squats, for example, you know, and I would encourage a, a range of pushing, pressing, pulling actions, upper, lower body, you know, so, um, I, I, I equipment shouldn't define us I, th I think that you know we should we should be be defined by our physical frame and then our physical frame determines what we come to do or don't do with training. with um with with training but you know you can get you can get um, bars that go across your door frame for pull-ups and you can get bands if we don't include them in, in equipment so there's lots of ways of actually becoming incredibly robust from a physical sense without yeah. without yeah. weights mm -hmm. you know so i mean going going back onto one of the things that i've done with the crossfit methodology when they talk about their 10 skills i've just refined it you know i've refined it into something that people understand get out of breath lift things mm. and contort your body you know that that when you present individuals with that information, there's endless ways of getting fit. Now, they're, they're limited somewhat by if they haven't got weights, but lifting things, you could put your, your partner or your son or your, whoever you're living yeah. with on your back and do fireman's carries. You know, that, that's a, a great way of getting fit or put them on yeah. your back and squat Perfect. them. You know? <laughs> um, so still uh, regarding the situation, Um, what would you, yeah. wh what do you think about all these, uh, information that we've got out there on Netflix and, uh, Amazon prime or even YouTube where 
the emphasis is being put on um, competition. So um, CrossFit competition, powerlifting competition, and so forth. Uh, do you think that it's going to have mm. a good or bad impact on to people when we're going back into clubs? I think when there's a hiatus at, mm -hmm. uh, at any health club and you, you lift that, that could be um, when you come back after Christmas, I, I feel like everyone has a transient yep. increase in their motivation to get fit for a whole host of reasons. I, I don't necessarily think that's dependent on what they've seen on the television beforehand. I, I just think any break from physical activity that's structured, i.e. at the gym, is is a catalyst for people to to start going to the gym again and invariably doing something that they've never done before at an intensity that they've never done before. Um, but I, I don't necessarily think it de is dependent on what is on Amazon Prime or, or Netflix. But if there is something that people relate to or are inspired to, and 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 that helps them to engage consistently with physical activity, okay. then that, that, that's, yeah, that's great. That's a good point, perfect. Um, I haven't mm -hmm. actually seen something myself, though, that I thought, oh, yes, that inspires me to be active again, or that's something yeah. that I would refer a patient to. You know, I, I think sometimes what motivates us intrinsically is incredibly, yeah. you know, personable, isn't it, really? Okay. Um, so what's one thing that you plan on doing when all of this is uh, finished? Can um, be professionally, you professionally, can be personally, something that you're really looking forward to? Um, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing my children. Um, I'm locked mm -hmm. away from my children. Um, so I haven't seen my um, I haven't seen my children for okay. since the end of March, which is a which is a which is a parent is is really yeah. really quite heartbreaking if I'm honest with you. Um, but, but professionally, um, uh, like I said, I, I want to sort of start my sort of doctoral studies within mm -hmm. a within a professional setting. Um, so that, that's something that I want to sort of, that's something that I want to do when everything get, gets going. And, and I, I want to, I want to teach, okay. I want to teach. I, 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 I do, um, yeah, I, I do make my intentions within the, 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 our work community known that I, I want to teach and I feel like I have a lot to contribute to that community okay, and well. beyond. I wish you all the best for that. <laughs> okay. Yes, thank you so, very much. Um, we are approaching the end of the episode. Do you have anything else to add? Anything that you'd like to tell specifically? Or um, No, I, I, I hope that's been useful. I hope that listeners mm -hmm. um, find that useful. Um, I'm not personally a massive, um, I'm not overly active on, on, on social media. Um, people always laugh at my <laughs> ability or inability to take photos and, and my, my, my Instagram account is, is mostly pictures of, of my children, um, with the occasional, um, political debate about food and nutrition and training and so forth. But maybe that's something that I need to, uh, change moving forward because I, I think that actually social media is a very very um, potentially informative climate um, whereby actually we can better engage with fellow health and fitness professionals and I think there's perhaps um, value to be tapped into there but um, regardless of wherever I do that I, I hope that um, people find this useful and if they want to reach out to me they can and, and I'm always happy to have a talk not just about this but our in any subject related to, to health and fitness practice. Um, I, I hope to be resuming things um, when we start again 
with with a, a, a good friend of mine, um, Tom Sparks, who, mm-hmm. who I would encourage anyone to look up and and be inspired by physically. And um, I think together we bring a a, a wealth of a sort of practical and theoretical wisdom. So that that's also something to, okay, to look out perfect. for. Sounds good. Um, so where can people find you on social media? So you said that you're not really active, but you have some social media. So what are your social media handles? <laughs> Do you know what? I mean, this is, this is, this is embarrassing. <laughs> like, I don't even know. Um, <laughs> fate, fate, like you, you can tell that I've, I've now got old and had children because like you know I, i'm the embarrassing dad now aren't <laughs> i that doesn't have a clue about all these things i mean my daughter my okay. daughter my daughter set up my iphone you know um but um i okay Eve and the nick nick n-i-c-h and uh, then um twitter is sport injury osteo i believe at sport injury osteo um Okay, perfect. If getting so, information from me is is probably reaching out from me with a uh, with a direct message or, or or so forth, and then I'll happily engage in conversation. I'll, I'll do that all the time. Yep. Okay, perfect. So yep. thank you for letting us know. I will add all your handles yep. in yep. the description of the episode. So Andy. It was a pleasure. No, having thank you, thank you for episode. thank you for having me. Um, thank you. I I, I I hope that you are well, Seb, yeah. and um, I look forward to seeing you in the flesh again um, soon. <laughs> yeah, me too, Andy. Me too. So yeah. have a yeah. great All afternoon right, and see you soon. Bye now. Yeah. Bye. Thank you.